I'm going to dive right in. I'm going to talk to you tonight about the two kinds of knowledge. The two kinds of knowledge. Uh, not long ago, probably later last year, uh, a mentor of mine, Pastor Jack Harris, that a lot of you guys know, uh, gave me a little book, and it was called The Two Kinds of Knowledge by E.W. Kenyon. A lot of you have heard of Kenyon, and he's fantastic. And this book just began to unlock things for me. You know how sometimes you get a hold of something or you get a, a material or a certain person and it just begins to take you on this warp speed path of what God is trying to do and what he's trying to reveal to you and how he's growing you. And this was absolutely no exception to that. And quite frankly, it's still, it's still happening. It's still developing. But I feel like the message is at least mature enough to, to share and I hope that it will create some of the things for us here tonight, especially with this being leadership night for a lot of our leaders that it has for myself. And so the two kinds of knowledge. The first kind of knowledge that is available to us is what we will call natural knowledge. Natural knowledge, which another term for that would be sense knowledge. Natural knowledge is the kind that comes from the wisdom of man. These are things that you learn and that you acquire uh, through your five senses, through your experiences, through what you've learned as far as you've heard it, you've seen it, you've tasted it, you've smelled it, you've touched it, you've been through it, and so you can attest to it. So uh, there is a sense of that knowledge is, is from man. It is acquired through our own wisdom. And uh, natural knowledge is very good and very beneficial and can allow us to accomplish great things in our lives. We've seen all the things that we've accomplished here in the United States, you know, all the great things that have happened as a result of what man has learned from their experiences. Uh, but it's important to understand that natural knowledge is, fails in comparison to the other, which is supernatural knowledge. Now, natural knowledge, we have to realize it's good and it's beneficial. And I want to make sure that that point is clear that I am all about the pursuit of understanding and of knowledge, technology, and all those things. But we have to maintain the proper perspective that it, it fails in comparison to supernatural knowledge, that natural knowledge always possesses an element of corruption, an element of impurity, and that is only because it is produced from an imperfect humanity. Does that make sense? So... Natural knowledge is good to endeavor for it, but we have to understand where it ranks in terms of its comparison with supernatural knowledge. Now, supernatural knowledge, on the other hand, uh, we'll call that revelation knowledge. In fact, let me just give you this, first of all, on, on natural knowledge, you know, just to get a good understanding. You remember the story of Job. Job was going through tribulation upon tribulation, and God allowed Satan to test Job. And nobody really knew what was happening. Even Job didn't understand why God was allowing this to take place. In his mind, it was unjust because he hadn't done anything to deserve this kind of tribulation. And Job's friends, who were considered wise men in their day, very astute in understanding of Scripture, were proclaiming to Job that the, the suffering was a result of all the things that he had done wrong and the things that he had displeased God with. 
So there, and, and Job knew that that wasn't right, but he didn't have the full understanding of what was going on. And so the wisdom of man in that situation, as you can see, is, is obviously very incorrect. These are some of the wisest men of their time and in that era, but they're bringing forth a message that is complete foolishness and nowhere close to what's actually going on in the spirit realm and in reality as God sees it. In 1 Corinthians 3, 18 through 20, Scriptures tell us, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise and they are futile. So we can definitely conclude from Scripture that the wisdom of man is very much uh, in low standing as it compares to the wisdom of God or supernatural knowledge, revelation knowledge, or wisdom. You'll hear me use those three terms synonymously tonight because they really mean the same thing. So supernatural knowledge, in the dictionary, the definition of revelation is an act of revealing or communicating divine truth, something that is revealed by God to humans. So supernatural knowledge while natural knowledge comes from our experiences, the wisdom of man, our five senses, supernatural knowledge, it's important to set this right from the front, is it comes directly from God, not man, and it enters through God's spirit that lives inside of us if we're new creations in Christ. It is pure and it is perfect, and it outranks and supersedes natural knowledge every time. Your mind is confused in a way when you receive supernatural knowledge. It's, it, there's not a full mental understanding, but it is confirmed in your spirit, man. Supernatural knowledge is knowledge that is from heaven that we would not in any way otherwise have access to. It is divine wisdom. And if you remember in the scriptures when Jesus is talking to Peter and he asks him who they say he is and he says, you're Christ. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and he says, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for man has not revealed this to you, but flesh and or man has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And so we're we're seeing here that revelation knowledge is imparted to Peter, and it's coming directly from heaven. There's nowhere on earth that he would have access to that information. First Corinthians 2, 9 through 16 to build off of the fact that supernatural knowledge comes from heaven and it is received through our spirit, the God's spirit that lives inside of us. Verses 9 through 16, it says, But it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but the Holy Spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. 
But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So it's very clear here that we understand that that God is the one who's revealing by his spirit this supernatural revelation knowledge and that we really get a firm grasp on the fact there is no possible other way that we can obtain it through any type of pursuit of understanding through man's, man's path. So the Holy Spirit, I would say, is, is like the greatest search engine, right? It's, it's way above Google. It's when you want to understand the things that God has for you and, and what exactly you, know, you need to know to accomplish your purpose, then you search the Spirit of God that resides inside of you and you look for understanding and revelation and wisdom. See, God is the author and originator of wisdom. He's the author and the originator of wisdom. In Proverbs 3.19, it says, The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. And so I want to take you through an uh, unbelievable series of scriptures here that help us to really look and see that God is where it all starts, and he's the only way that it can be obtained is through the Father. Job 28, verses 12 through 28. And let's go ahead and put those up here. And so it starts off searching for wisdom. Like, Where exactly would you get it, okay? But where can wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its value, nor is it found in the land of the living. The deep says, it is not in me. And the sea says, it is not with me. It cannot be purchased for gold, nor can silver be weighed for its price. It can't be valued in the gold of Ophir and precious onyx or sapphire. Neither gold nor crystal can equal it, nor can it be exchanged for jewelry of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or quartz, for the price of wisdom is above rubies. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. Now watch this transition here where it starts to give revelation or insight to where wisdom comes from. For where then does wisdom come? It's not in the deep of the oceans and the seas and the vastness of creation. It's nowhere to be found. And where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the air. Destruction and death say, we have heard a report about it, but only with our ears. God understands its way. And he knows its place, for he looks to the ends of the earth and sees under the whole heavens to establish a weight for the wind and to portion the waters by measure. When he made a law for the rain and a path for the thunderbolt, then he saw wisdom and declared it. He prepared it indeed, he searched it out. And to man he said, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil evil is understanding." This is just amazing to me. It's like you could search all of creation everywhere. You could could go across the entire universe beyond what man has even come close to achieving and peering into with your natural eyes, and you wouldn't even get a glimpse of it. You wouldn't even find the hint of a source of revelation, supernatural knowledge, wisdom. There's only one place that it comes from. So I would paraphrase to this, uh, this chap- chapter 28 in Job that it's like 
where would you find wisdom? It's not in a textbook. It's not in a university. You can't achieve it through a degree. You can't go seek out a professor. You can't do enough hours in a project. You can't find it anywhere except through the Father. And we have access to that by the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us when we accept Jesus Christ as our Redeemer. See, it's important to also understand that spirit or that supernatural knowledge is alive. This is really just kind of mind-blowing is that it actually has a living presence to it. It's not just words. It's not just something you store in your memory bank. It actually stores and resides in your spirit and is alive there. The scripture in John 6, 63, Jesus says, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Right? If you, if you read in Proverbs chapter 2 and in chapter 8, you see something very interesting where it's talking about wisdom all through Proverbs. All of a sudden in chapter 2 and in chapter 8, wisdom actually speaks in the first person. It, no, it, it, it sort of cites itself or refers to itself as I. So we are to conclude that wisdom is a, per, is a living thing. So when we receive it and it's imparted to us, and we have the understanding. It doesn't just come in and then go out. There's no threat that it's going to leak out like a memory would. This actually lives inside of us for future purposes in our life that God has created us for. Now, I will say this as I take us down this journey tonight, that what I'm talking about, it's obviously, it's, it's supernatural. So, I can't really fully even understand it, nor can anyone. And the irony is that so many people actually try to. And when they can't put reason to it in their mind, they set it off to the side as just non-existent because they can't really wrap their brain around it and fail to get the understanding that it's by their spirit and not by their mind. So... Because of the nature of this type of subject, I can only begin to dissect it for you and make my best human attempt at delivering it to you. In the end, what I'm really after and what I believe God is really after is for your faith in the power and the availability of supernatural knowledge to rise up in you to the place where you yourself begin to step into the realm of the supernatural and create an understanding of it for yourself that no man can possibly give you. So how do we obtain supernatural knowledge? The first point here is that the the very first revelation we get is of who Jesus Christ is. Before that, our spirit man is, our spirit is God's Spirit is not living inside of us. So we cannot possibly receive what God wants to impart to us by His Spirit. So the first true revelation that we all get is of who Jesus Christ is, the Son of the living God, the Messiah sent to, to die for our sins and be raised up so that we could go on to live an eternal life in heaven. Once we receive that revelation, then we are opened up for all 
impartation of supernatural knowledge from that point on. Second point is to receiving and obtaining supernatural knowledge is we have to be a God-fearing person. You have to be a God-fearing person. There cannot be a sense of pride or arrogance. You have to possess a spirit of humility that accurately understands the infiniteness of God and the very finiteness of our human abilities. You know, Proverbs 11.2 says, when pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom, i.e. supernatural knowledge. So it is the starting point and it is the way. If you look at Proverbs 9.10, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And Proverbs 15.33 says, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. So we have to be a God-fearing person in order to begin and be able to find the path to, a, to receiving supernatural wisdom or we won't have the proper sense of humility that understands how big God is and how small we really are. Next point is, is that we have, to, we have to develop an appetite for it. We have to hunger for it, right? Proverbs 2, 1 through 5 says, My son, if you receive my words... You could put that up there. And treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. There we see that again. And find the knowledge of God. Again, supernatural knowledge. So we have a hunger for it. In Matthew 4, 4, Jesus says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And the words that are spoken by the mouth of God are what bring about that, impart, that supernatural knowledge. That's what it flows right through. You know, it's interesting, this man shall not live by bread alone. If you really kind of look further into that, that's, he's actually quoting a scripture that's, that's written in Deuteronomy 8.3 where Moses is reminding the people during their journey to the promised land to get out of Egypt. He's reminding them that man shall not live by bread alone, but every good word that proceeds from the mouth of God. If you go back further than that, you see that he's citing an occurrence that happened in Exodus, and that was in chapter 16, verse 15, where the people of Israel were hungry and they didn't have food, and God began to rain down manna from heaven. Now, at this point, manna was something they had never seen. They had never eaten of. It was kind of like a, a, a foreign food. They, they're not sure what it was. But what's really key to take from that is that the manna came down because the voice of God commanded it. So the bread, man shall not live by bread alone, but every good word that proceeds from the mouth of God. As we're on that way to our promised land in heaven, we understand that the mouth of God is what brings about the food that we need to, to walk this path out in this purpose that God has for us. You know, Proverbs 3.18 says that uh, those who achieve wisdom, obtain wisdom, to them it is a tree of life. Got stuck on this because for some reason that tree of life, it was just jumping out at me. Because we all know about the tree of life in the garden, right? And so you look at the tree of life in the garden and you, you have to basically conclude that God put the tree of life there 
because it provided the, the sustenance and the nourishment that was necessary for Adam and Eve to be able to live out eternal life. Before the fall, they were in fellowship with God, and there was no evil present. There was just, it was them and God, and they had eternal life. And they were eating from the tree of life. And whenever the fall happened and their spirit man died, then they left the garden, right? And they could no longer partake of the tree of life. But here we see back in, uh, in Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 through 2, we'll put that up there. We see the tree of life again in our future home in the kingdom of heaven when we get there. And he says, and he showed me a pure river of water, a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of its street on the other side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for healing of the nations. So the tree of life is there again when we're in a state of eternal life with the Father, just like it was in the garden. And so my interpretation of this is that I I think that God is using kind of a, a, sim, a symbol here as far as the tree of life in Proverbs. And what he's saying is you need that to, to have eternal life in heaven with the tree of life in the garden and then in Revelation where we see it again. But wisdom, supernatural knowledge is a tree of life to those who have it because without it, you'll starve spiritually. Amen. You will starve. Man was not meant to live without the sustenance and the nourishment that's provided by the, the constant outpouring of revelation knowledge that God wants to give us. We must desire to know God's thoughts and God's ways. And God doesn't force that on us, right? It's not like we just turn around when we're a Christian and, and supernatural knowledge is looking at us right in the face, God, God wants to woo us. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman, so he draws us in. So we have to pursue that. And we, that's the next point is we must pursue it relentlessly. We have a hunger for it. We have an appetite for it, and then we pursue it. Proverbs 8.11 says, For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that one may desire cannot be compared with her. So we are saying to God when we pursue supernatural knowledge, God, I want you to make me more like you. I desire for you to make me more into your image. And there's a scripture that I love that brings this point to me that just really drives us home. And it's Hosea 6, chapter 6, verse 3. And he says, as we pursue supernatural knowledge, let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. So he doesn't say sit around and wait for it. He doesn't say, I'll bring it to you. He says we're to pursue the knowledge of the Lord and supernatural knowledge. We have to always be in a position where we're heading towards the things of God, not waiting for the things of God to come to us. He goes on to say in that same verse, his going forth is established as the morning. He will continue, he will come to us like the rain, like the latter and the former rain to the earth. So he's talking about the knowledge of the Lord here, the, the supernatural knowledge. And what he's saying here is it comes forth as the morning. He's saying that there's a daily need. The morning comes every day, right? There is a daily need for fresh outpouring, for fresh revelation. And he says it comes as the former and the latter rain. 
And if you look at the former and the latter rain in the, in the agricultural sense, there's heavy rains in the spring and in the late fall seasons. And, and the heavy rains are enough to saturate the ground and allow that to be sustained over the course of an entire year. Otherwise, if the heavy rains weren't there in the spring and the fall, there wouldn't be enough throughout the rest of the year to where it would dry up and it would become uh, not good, rich, fertile soil for things to grow out of. And so what he's saying is that this fresh revelation knowledge is something that's a daily need. And then when it comes to us, it saturates us and we become like fertile soil so the things of God can rise up and grow out of us and be brought forth for that day's purposes. We open up room for supernatural knowledge through the renewing of our minds. Romans 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So as we allow ourselves to be transformed in our growth with God and, and our walk with the Lord as he makes us more and more like him in his image, it takes the old things out of us, the old man, and it makes room for the new impartation of fresh revelation knowledge. The next point to, to obtaining supernatural knowledge is we are to live righteously. We are to live, to live in alignment with God's plan for our lives. You know, we have to stay out of sin. We have to repent often. We have to walk in the victory of who we are in Christ because sin can become a barricade for us to hear clearly from God. It can. I mean, it just, it just is. But thank God that we have repentance that we could come to the Lord at any point and be sorrowful in our heart and repent and he could forgive us and make us white as snow right then and there in that moment and we're right back to our restored place of righteousness with him and we could begin to hear clearly that voice of God that might have been blocked before by the presence of sin in our life. Isaiah 59.2 says, but your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. So we have to understand the, the threat that sin plays in our life to the ability to receive revelation knowledge. Sin desensitizes us to the voice of the Lord. The next point to obtaining supernatural knowledge is we have to receive it, not earn it. We must receive it. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Jeremiah 33.3, one of my favorite scriptures, says, Call to me and I will answer you, and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. So we're not coming to God and then giving up, he's giving us some task or some set of things that we've got to go abide by before we receive it. We just come to him and then he gives liberally and then if we can hear clearly by our position of right standing and walking with him, then we just receive it. See, God is no respecter of, of persons, and wisdom is no respecter of persons. Natural knowledge tends to favor f people that have more life experience. It's just the way it is. Now, you can be wise in your youth, but generally, the experiences of your age has a lot to do with your natural knowledge, whereas supernatural knowledge has no biases whatsoever. It can impart to the youngest just as easy and just as fast and just as powerfully as it can to the oldest. It wants to be heard. Wisdom wants to be heard. It's not hiding behind a door. It's not waiting for somebody to, you know, seek to look for it and, 
like it's trying to get away or it doesn't really want to reveal itself. It wants to be heard. Proverbs 1, 20 and 21 says, Wisdom cries aloud in the street. She raises her voice in the markets, cries at the head of the noisy intersections. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. Proverbs 8, 1 through 3 goes on to say, Does not wisdom cry out and understanding lift up her voice? She takes her stand on top of the high hill. Beside the way where the paths meet, she cries out by the gates at the entrance of the city and the entrance of the doors. You know, in the Old Testament, God would reveal supernatural knowledge, not by, his, by the Spirit of God that lived inside of them, but he would visit men in dreams and sometimes in an audible voice. Now, thank God, I believe, that we have the Spirit of Christ, the God that lives inside of us, that we have access to that at any time, not just when God is delivering an audible voice or he's visiting us in a dream. But we know from Job 33, 15, that that's how it was. It says, in a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men, when slumbering in their beds, then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction. Now, we still receive dreams and visions, but... Ultimately, what we've done is we've opened up the, uh, the flow of how that supernatural knowledge can be imparted to us because it's there, the Spirit of, of God that lives inside of us, and it's available all the time. Revelation does not always come in dramatic moments. Many times it's hidden in subtlety. It's that still, small voice. Just like in 1 Kings 19, 11 through 12, and then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by in a great and strong wind, tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. But in the, after the still, small voice. See, I think sometimes that we're just looking for the earthquake and ignoring the still, small voice. God imparts, I believe, God imparts to so many who just fail to receive it. I have to believe that's the nature of the God I serve is that he wants to reveal the things that he has for you. And when we're seeking him, that still small voice is speaking. And sometimes we just have to understand we got to get in tune. And when we receive it, the next point is, is that it's confirmed by in our spirit and by our faith in the word. It lines up with the word. It never contradicts the Bible. Supernatural knowledge. You know, this is kind of, I'm just going to say this, but when you hear somebody say like, you know, I think God is, is telling me to leave my wife and go be with this other woman. I'm not, I can't judge that, okay? I don't know that's between them and that's between God and they're the only two that really know. But of course, I can give you my very strong opinion and I would say that there's just no way you're hearing from God. There's just no way. It doesn't line up with the word. You're deceived. You're hearing a voice, but it ain't God's. God gives us a way to test revelation knowledge, and it's in James 3.17. It says, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality 
and without hypocrisy. I encourage you to really study that scripture and each of those things because there's a lot of, a lot of wisdom right there in that scripture of how we can test revelation knowledge. But the one that really jumps out to me is hypocrisy. It's without hypocrisy. How can we receive, say we're receiving revelation to do something and then we ourselves are, are doing something that contradicts that? We are to apply that and put it to use to expand kingdom purposes. And we are to embrace the pursuit of supernatural knowledge as a lifelong pursuit. 1 Thessalonians 5 says we are to pray without ceasing. And I believe that this is definitely one of those things that we should never cease to pray for. So what is its purpose, supernatural knowledge? Well, I have three things. Number one is it, it's, and there may be more, but these are the three that I see when I think about what it achieves. Number one is it fulfills kingdom purposes, glorifies God. Wisdom is never a meaningless impartation, but always plays a role in expanding kingdom purposes. Give us this daily our daily bread and do on earth as it is in heaven. Number two is it's meant to fulfill our purpose. Wisdom that is given to us from heaven is always beneficial to advancing our individual purpose and what God created us for. And it's important to note that it may sometimes be used for future purposes when it's revealed and not necessarily in the present tense. See, God looks at time differently than we do. And so when we receive revelation knowledge, we may have a tendency to say this needs to apply right now, but that might be reserved for a time and a season that we have not yet arrived in. Proverbs 14.33 says that wisdom rests in the heart of him who has understanding. Again, back to the, the life that's in it and how it stays there. And it will achieve multiple purposes in our lifetime, not just one and in one instance. It defies the rules of time. And number three, it is meant to edify others to fulfill their purpose. Revelation knowledge is intended to flow through us and edify others in a multitude of ways. It is alive, as I've said, and never ceases to bear fruit. Proverbs 55.11 says how the word never returns void. So if revelation knowledge is a direct extension of what the word is, and then it comes out of us in, in bearing fruit and edifying others, then ultimately that thing continues to live on, and it will not return void. So some final thoughts about natural versus supernatural knowledge. Natural knowledge is to be valued as useful, but supernatural knowledge is to be treasured as priceless. Solomon understood this. He had riches and wealth and the opportunity for God to give him anything that he desired. But he realized, imagine if you could have anything that you wanted, God was going to give it to you. So you're thinking, what is the thing that I need that only God can provide that I cannot achieve on my own? You could go get wealthy. You could go get fame and popularity and power. You could do all that on your own but you could never fully receive supernatural knowledge by yourself. That's why he asked for wisdom, and it so pleased the heart of God. It's just amazing to me that he goes on to be the wealthiest and richest man ever to live. Experts say by today's standards, he'd be worth over a trillion dollars. If you look at inflation, there's never been a wealthier person than King Solomon. It is good to pursue natural knowledge, which takes us, takes us to the limit of our abilities, but supernatural knowledge picks up from there and takes us into a realm of limitless possibilities by the power of a limitless God. Our ultimate purpose can only be fulfilled by access to a supernatural knowledge. Otherwise, on our own, we will most certainly fall short. We cannot study 
or be taught how to prepare for everything that will come. But God has a plan for how we will respond and move forward in all those things. God has a solution to the things that you have not yet encountered already. Therefore, we are to walk in faith that supernatural knowledge will be available to us when the time comes where it is needed. If we have not received impartation about a matter, then we are to walk in faith in the purpose that God has for us, understanding that when the time comes, God will provide what's needed. Luke 21, 14 and 15 says, Settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. Here we see that wisdom again. So we are not to, you know, we are to understand that certain things will come to us in the time that we need it, and we are to walk in faith. Also understand that some revelation knowledge is imparted and received premature to its manifestation, but it rests in our spirit until it is ready to bear fruit. I mentioned on Proverbs 14.33 already. We are not to trust in our own thoughts and wisdom of man, The wisdom of God is to be our ultimate guide and direction. Supernatural knowledge always supersedes natural knowledge. God is not saying to us, in fact, let me put this up here, Isaiah 65, 2 says, I have stretched out my hands all day long to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good according to their own thoughts. He's not saying it's it's not good to pursue natural knowledge. What he's saying is it's not good to walk according to that to have a proper understanding of where supernatural knowledge and revelation knowledge uh, ranks in comparison to natural knowledge. Jeremiah 17.5 says, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. So at the end of our pursuit of supernatural knowledge is really where our faith will carry us forward. We are to have faith that there is a loving, almighty, sovereign God and he has infinite wisdom beyond our ability or our finite minds to fully comprehend and that he is all-knowing in his ways towards us and knows when to impart and when to withhold. This is very key. We have a faith that God knows better than us when we need, when to give, and when to withhold. Right? You know, Job never got the revelation of what was going on in heaven until he got to heaven. He never fully, God never really showed him why he suffered all that tribulation. Isn't that interesting? So we have to understand and have the faith that God is the one who understands, as it says in Isaiah 28, verse 29 in the message, he knows everything about when and how and where. It's almost like we have a posture of faith that says, if you reveal it to me, God, then it's meant to be, and it's meant to do all the things that we've just talked about it's meant to do, to fulfill kingdom purposes, my purpose, and edify others and help them fulfill their purpose. And if you choose not to impart to me, then you may impart in the time that's needed, but you may just have a better understanding than I of what I need in this time. See, the word is pregnant with revelation from beginning to end. I learned this from Pastor Rick, and uh, it's, this is just great stuff. It says there is much revelation in each scripture. You could read a verse of scripture, and over the course of your life, you might get a hundred different revelations out of that scripture. It's pregnant with, with revelation. So what's important to realize that revelation will build on top of revelation. Our understanding will broaden 
and our, our wisdom of a, of a matter or a thing will continue to expand. It's kind of like I see maybe discussing this message in the course of my life and ministry, how, whoever knows how many more times, but that it'll always be different and will be more developed each time. I, I mean, that should be the end result if I'm receiving what I'm talking to you about. So I want to end by just giving you, I thought about this, and I think what I wanted to end with here is just to give you some personal examples of supernatural knowledge and ways that we receive it. Number one is we receive it in prayer. Now, for me, oftentimes, it's in that still, small voice. I'm praying. I'm seeking God, talking to God, just kind of in fellowship with him. And then, boom, it drops in my spirit, and it's there, and I know it, and it's confirmed, and I don't question it. It's that still, small voice. I've never heard the audible voice of God, but I've heard the still, small voice many a times. And I know in my spirit that it's the Lord speaking to me. We receive it in worship. You know, just Sunday, we were, or the one couple Sundays ago, Pastor Sean, they were singing the song, It's All About You. It's all about you, Jesus. And the voice of God came to me and said that there will be a time in heaven when all creation will look and point to the throne and declare, it was always about you, Jesus, and it will always be about you, Jesus. And in my spirit, I was confirmed that this was revelation knowledge that was meant to edify me in a number of ways. It comes through reading the word. I'll be reading the word, and then all of a sudden, something will jump out at me, kind of like that tree of life thing jumped out at me. And I will begin to pursue that thing and, and read into it and understand it and endeavor to seek God relentlessly until I meet him where that breakthrough is. And then when it comes, I know that was it. And it drops in my spirit, I'm confirmed, and there's no more questioning it from that point on. Supernatural knowledge can be imparted to us by others that God chooses to use to speak into our life. As long as it lines up with the word. See, I'll be listening to Pastor Rick or another, you know, person that God is choosing to use in my life, speak into my life. And I'll not only hear what they're saying, but God's spirit will begin to speak to me and reveal things to me beyond just what they're saying. I'll get their revelation and then I'll begin to get a a handful of other revelations about that thing that apply specifically to me in my life or maybe it'll just be for a future time. But I just thank God for it when I get it because I know that it carries with it rich intentions and rich purposes for my future. And then finally, God can impart to us revelation knowledge when we are overwhelmed by his presence, which often happens as a result of praise and worship or prayer. But there was a particular situation. We had an event uh, as probably two years ago. Um, I think Rodney Howard Brown was in town. And I was standing, you know, in line to get prayed for. And he went around. And like many people, I mean, I'm just being honest. I was sitting there thinking, okay, am I going to get it? Am I going to feel it? Am I not? You know, and he came to me and they laid hands on me. And immediately it was like this rush of God's presence. I mean, I, I couldn't even stand up. My knees just gave out. And I just sort of went down on my knees. You know, I kind of laid there and laid back. And in about five seconds, went by 10 seconds. And I said, uh, 
I started to get up, and then I heard the voice of God come to me and say, stay down. He said, stay down. I want to talk to you. And so I laid back down, forgetting about anybody else or anything else around me. And I just said, okay, God, pour it out. And for 10 or 15 minutes, God began to speak, and I listened. And I never said a word. I just listened. And it was one point after another after another about my future and where I was headed. And so I just thought to really conclude and drive this message home that I would read to you what I wrote because I wrote it all down. And I want you to see, I would normally, this is very personal to me, and I would probably normally not do this, the things that I would say I would normally not say, but these aren't things that I said is the way I look at it. And so I just want to read to you. I was at a time, I'm just going to go through point by point quickly here, but I was in a time where I was looking into going, it was November 11th, 2010, I was looking at going into the ministry full time. By this point, I knew that that was the call that God was giving me, and I was having a difficult time leaving uh, my dad and my brothers in our family business, and so that was weighing on me. And God began, this is where he leaded off, he just showed me a vision of me walking away and my dad and my brothers just standing there with their arms around each other, waving at me, smiling, saying that they were going to be okay. And so was I. We were trying to sell our house. He said, don't ask about the house. I have a house for you. This is not the one, but I'm not telling you when, so stop asking. <laughs> then he began to say, keep doing what you're doing day in and day out. I'm holding you in the fire. Continue to keep your priorities in order and make the right decisions to follow me while you're in the fire. That's what it's all about. After this season, money is never going to be a struggle again. Then he began to say, your children will always be safe. I'll protect them. They will serve me. The only thing I require for you is to pray over them every day. Never cease at this. He said, and then I began to see lights that were lighting up across the globe, and I saw my leg began to get hot as I focused on the heat. It was running up my body, and it went into my mouth, and I felt the heat in my mouth, and God said, I'm going to use your mouth to bring fire to people through your words. Then he said, moved to the next point. He said, stop comparing yourself. Stop saying I'm like this guy or that guy. There's no one to compare yourself to. There's nothing that looks like what I'm molding you to be. He said, don't feel bad about the family business. I didn't gift you to fit the mold that that requires to carry on. He said, always be a husband and a father first. Never lose track of that, and I'll bless you in whatever your hand touches. He said, your struggle will only be to impress me, not men. And I saw a light directly from heaven coming straight down, beaming on me. And God said, always look up directly at me and impress me, and others will be impressed automatically. That is your only focus. And then I began to see jo Pastor Josh and Pastor Mike and myself, and we were on these horses, and there was like smoke, and we were headed into battle with our, with our swords. And they said, you're going to lead a new generation in this battle. And then he said to me, I'm going to ask you to leave something else again at another time. This won't be the last. Then he said, in your leadership, use authority, but only when it's inspired and rooted in the word of God. In all other times, use humility. And the people around you will help you maintain this proper balance. And he said, tell Katie, I've never left her side since she was a little girl. I've never been far from her. I've known her heart and how she desires me. 
And I saw her and I standing side by side, holding lit torches both in the air, high in the air. And God said, she will, she will carry her own torch, and you will both light the way. It's not just going to be her standing by your side while you hold your torch. And then he said, and last, I've gifted you not only as a leader but as a teacher to teach leadership to others and to raise them up. So, as I said, these are obviously very personal things to me, but I just wanted to share them with you to see the different ways and how real that revelation knowledge is. I could have never come up with that. I could have never wrote all that down that way. So, my prayer tonight in closing is that, as I said in the beginning, that there would be a hunger that would rise up in all of us for this supernatural knowledge and this wisdom that is available to us, that is necessary for us to fulfill our purpose that God has placed on us, and that we will all begin to step into that realm of the supernatural and really have an understanding of it for yourself that I couldn't even begin to come close to giving you or any other man for that matter.